They grow up fast, don't they? I don't know if you caught that, but that progression uh, that they make uh, when, they, when they do that starts out as a little one. I, 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 uh, I, obviously, I get to see these before you do, uh, and so I just practically cried when I saw that because I, I remember my, my firstborn is my daughter, and we were always very close. We are very close, you know, daddy's little girl, uh, that whole thing, you know, uh, gymnastics and volleyball and diving and all of those sorts of things, you know, and, and guys, it's great. You are, the, you are the man in her life. And then one day she brings home a 900-pound gorilla <laughs> that she thinks she's in love with, you know. <laughs> and in my case, he was 6'3". He really was. He was big. Uh, but just kind of watching that and then the, the grandkids stage and, and, and all of that, there's so much good uh, in family and in relationships. And um, I, I am persuaded at this stage in my life that nothing matters more than family. And, and I mean that in the big sense of the word as well as the small sense of the world. And, and, and I know that when I was in the child-rearing years, I was desperate to get it right. You know, I just I wanted to, and I did my very best. And I just, I hate to ruin it for some of you that have small children, but no matter how hard you try, when you get to the end, you're going to reflect back and go, oh, I wish I'd done that different, or I'd done that different. Or any, in, in, Anyone else say, am I the only one that did that? Do you all raise your kids perfect? You know? It's just, it's just a part of it. And, and so, um, and I, I was blessed to grow up in, in a family that loved me. And, you know, I was weird compared to all the rest of the kids in school. My dad told me he loved me. He hugged me. We did stuff together, you know, all of that kind of, kind of thing. And, and I have been blessed with a great family. I, I love my family. They have been in the last couple of weeks, you know, with Christmas and, and, and all of that. And, um, as I kind of reflected as to what we do at the beginning of, of the year, uh, it occurred to me that we really need to keep coming back to this idea of, of building great families. Because there's, there's a spiritual issue involved here. Then we're going to talk about this in a little bit. But this is, this is really important. And, and the, the kind of the nod to that is, uh, the, but without losing your mind, right? Anybody felt like they were losing their mind at some point in that? Yeah, you know. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I am persuaded that, that nothing puts, puts people uh, in, in a place of struggle more than a bunch of little kids. Uh, and we had three under three in the house this, uh, this last, well, two weeks ago. Uh, and so I was reliving all of the good and a few of the nightmares of <laughs> having small, small ch- I didn't know they could produce that many diapers, you know? It's like... And get this, we had that ice storm. So like this, this, the week before they arrived, they didn't pick anything up, any of our garbage or any of that stuff. And so we had to go a whole, it was, yeah, anyway, we won't go into too many details, but, um, but, but the whole family thing is, is it's just, it's just a crazy, wonderful, insane kind of thing that we do uh, with, with our, with our kids. Um, and yet it's so, so important because you are building the next generation. Amen? And we have talked about in this church that we are committed to the next generation. It's why generation is in our name, right? And, and we're working on getting our wall up so we can get the, we will tell the next generation we normally have up on our, our wall uh, out there. Uh, because that, that's just what's so important. And, and maybe it's just the reflection of the fact that you have a pastor that's 63 years old and has grandkids and all of that. But at this stage in my life, I am here to tell you, there's nothing that matters more to me than getting the faith into the next generation. 
I'm, I'm committed to that. I'm committed to that directly with children. I'm committed to mentoring pastors in the next generation because of that. Uh, it, it's a big deal uh, for me. Um, and so I, I love the insanity, but it's a super important thing we're doing. So I'm going to start with a quiz. Um, wh- when you think of family, what do you think of? Love. What? Loud. Got to be loud. I'm old. Did I mention I'm 63 years old? Okay. <laughs> loud. Growth. Patience. What? Togetherness. Joy. Full house. Conflict. Ooh, there's an honest one. <laughs> Responsibilities. Okay. Memories. Oh, yeah. I think it was one in back. Grace. Yeah, lots of grace. Yeah, you, you all are kind of given the, the fun, good, easy stuff, you know. What? The belt. The belt? Ooh. <laughs> okay, I went one too far. <laughs> so for the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about building great families and, and not losing our minds uh, through all of that, because I think at some point we all lose our minds uh, a little bit. If nothing else, sleep deprivation will, will do that uh, to you. Um, so we are going to start today uh, with uh, t- talking about the genesis of family, which, as it happens, happens in Genesis. Uh, so uh, we're going to look at the, the first couple chapters of Genesis uh, together. Um, there, there are two creation stories in Genesis. I don't know if some would argue three, but clearly chapter one is one uh, creation story, and then chapter two is another creation story. They're the same story, but it's from different angles. Just like in the Bible, we have four Gospels, right? They're just all from different, different angles. Uh, and so the two uh, creation stories... Uh, have different purposes uh, in all of that. But before we jump into that, I want to do a memory verse again. I know, you know, it feels like you're back in children's church having to do memory verses, but tough. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so our memory verse uh, for this series, if I can get that to work, there we go. Um, it comes from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Let's say it together. Follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We'll talk about this one, but I just really want to emphasize dearly loved children. Look to the person next to you and say, you are a dearly loved child of God. Yeah. We just got to get that down, folks, that God loves you as a dearly loved child. God loves you more than you love your children. And then this one, I I just love the way they phrase this, the way of love. The way of love. Say the way of love. love. That's what it comes down to uh, for followers of Jesus. We walk the path of the way of, of love. Um, so, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 1 uh, and, and 2. Uh, they're right next to each other. One follows the other one and two. Um, <laughs> it's at the beginning of your Bible, so it's easy to find. Uh, and we're going to kind of jump in. And it begins with these really in- important words right at the beginning. It says, in the beginning, God created. 
And I just need to stop right there because this is the purposes of the book of Genesis. I'm not sure how God created. I don't understand all of that stuff. People, you know, my son was a chemist and now he's a, he's a science teacher and he understands all that stuff. And when he gets going too far, he looks at me and he says, Dad, you don't know enough math for me to explain this to you. It's like, okay, I'm not smart enough to understand. I get it. But here's what I do understand. God created. However he did it, all of that other stuff, God created. Uh, and then you know, most of the rest of the story, it kind of jumps in, uh, and, and it talks about all the, the pieces of, of creation there. He creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates light and space and living things and plants and sun and moon and fish and birds and animals. And after each one of them, there's kind of, there's kind of a day in there, and he, he says, it is good. It's good. Not surprising that God would create good. Amen? You know, that, that would be what he would uh, do. Uh, and then it gets down to, um, down a little bit further, we jump down. Uh, it, we jump in and it says, uh, he says, let us make mankind in our image. After he's created all the plants and all the animals and all the stuff, God says, let us create mankind in our image. Say our image. Our image is really important because this is where we are created different from everything else in all of creation. All of creation is good, but when it comes to mankind, when it comes to humanity, we are created in the image. And the idea of image is more than just like a picture of something. It means you are like that thing. It's kind of the idea of a reflection of something or the light that hits the moon and then comes down. You realize it comes from the sun and the sun reflects it. That's kind of the way they, they talked about it uh, in all of this. Uh, and so in, in, in that likeness, we are created. We are created like God. So look to the person next to you say, you are created like God. Yes, you are created in his image, okay? Then it goes on. So God said, hey, let's do this, and God now executes. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God now does what he said he was going to do. He has created them. And so I want to just quickly hit a couple little things here. Number one, you notice it says, let mankind in our image, which is plural. One of the things I think is really cool about Scripture and makes it authentic for me is that very often there are things written in Scripture by people in a period of time where they couldn't possibly understand what we understand today. So ancient people, God, the thing that set Israel apart, in fact, was God was one, monotheism. Say monotheism. There's your theology word for today, okay? Monotheism. And so they thought of God as, as one. It wasn't until later, until Christ came and some of those things happened, that we began to understand that Christ, that God was one and God was three. And all at the same time, you can't explain it. It's just a mystery, but God is one and God is three. And then we have these things in the Old Testament that perk up like our image. The very first hint of, yeah, you think you understand God, but you don't really yet. There's more to come, okay? I love, sorry, sidetrack. But I love that kind of stuff in Scripture. So our image, the Trinity appears right there. And he created male and female. He created uh, them. And so uh, he's created not just the particular, but, but both of them, okay? Uh, and so it goes on, and God blesses them. Be fruitful and multiply. Uh, you know, everything in the earth belongs to you. And then he says, God saw all that he had made, and he said it was very good. Get that? You are created very good. Say, very good. very good. No, 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 not very good. Very good. Very good. 
Okay, you're talking about God's creation here, okay? So um, there's some super important things uh, that, that come out of this, the first chapter here. Number one, family was designed and created by God. Okay, good. There's a certain sense in which I think I could just stop there because everything else kind of flows out of that idea. The, that, that God created family and he designed it. It's simple and obvious, but it's super important because what it means is that, that we look to God for how family works, for how relationship is. And God is the only true author of, of family, and he has some things to say about it. We're going to explore this in the weeks, weeks to come. Some things about your marriage, honestly. God has some things about to talk to you about that. About parenting, about grandchildren, about relationships with other adults, about budgets, about how you spend your time, about how you treat others. All of those things come in the context of, of, of family, okay? So God created and designed family. And then the purpose of family is to make you like Jesus. He doesn't say it right there because we haven't got to Jesus yet. But, but we are making humanity in our own image. So that when they look at our families, they, they see God in us. They, they see God through us. That we reflect his being, that image kind of uh, idea uh, of us. It, it, it's to, to make you like Jesus. Boy, it gets quiet when I say that kind of stuff. We, you, you guys have heard me say this before. My favorite book title of all time was a book about marriage, and the title of the book was, What If Marriage Isn't Supposed to Make You Happy, It's Supposed to Make You Holy. Wow, does that change your perspective on marriage, right? It's like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be happy? I, 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 I wanted to be happy, you know? It turns out if you let God make you holy in your marriage, you will be happy, but, but the purpose is to, to make you, you holy, to make you like him. And so... To say it kind of like this, family is a reflection of God's very being. He reflects that who he is and what he is in, in your family and in my family. God exists in family. Father, son, there's family language, Holy Spirit. There's three of them in there. Uh, and it's not an attribute of God like, you know, omniscience or all-powerful or any of this, but it is the very essence of God that he is three and that he is one. And that's kind of what family is, right? We're four, and we are one, or we're six, or we're eight, and, and, but we are one, one family, okay? Uh, and, and, and the truth of the matter is, we don't do well when we're alone. There's all kinds of research about people who get isolated, you know, and that's really bad for you, as it turns out. Well, not surprising. God's been trying to tell us that, you know? You, you live in community. You live in connection uh, to one another. We live in relationship with one another. That is by God's design. And we dare not tinker with that, okay? So look at verse 25. It says, oops, back up. Uh, Let us make mankind in our image, in our, in our family, in our, in our connectedness with one another. And so I just, I just need to say this out loud how you put together your family, how you create family, how you treat your family, how you live together as family is a spiritual issue. Spiritual issue. Spiritual issue. I said 70 minutes, but I can go longer. <laughs> spiritual issue. Oh, good. Now we're on the same page, okay? So, uh, the very first chapter in the Bible tells us that families should reflect the image of God. Think about that. The very first thing 
The very first lesson theologically after he does all of creation is that families reflect God. Our families reflect God. We are to reflect God just like we are as individuals. We are to reflect God. And in fact, that's a part of the problem because we live in a world where we think like individuals. We think individualistically about me. And when we read stuff in the Bible, we think, oh, that's talking to me. And we talked last week about second person plurals. Well, most often in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, when he says you, it's actually you all. He's it's, it's talking to everybody. You're a community. We, we are communal image bearers of the life of Christ. And certainly my life should reflect Christ and your life should reflect Christ. But your marriage should reflect Christ. Your, your family should reflect Christ. Your extended family should reflect Christ. The, the community that you're in, your church, oh Lord, your church should reflect Christ in all that we do. Because we are image bearers of Jesus Christ. We are image bearers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, here's where I'm going to get myself in trouble Love your pastor? Oh, laughter. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and you wonder why we don't have self-esteem. You know? <laughs> so, whoop, yep. a biblical worldview should include the truth that the community is more important than the individual. That is countercultural, <laughs> super countercultural. That the community, beginning with the family, is, is more important than, than the individual. Jesus modeled this for this. What did he do for his community, which includes us? He laid down his life for us. He literally gave up his life. We get to talking about marriage. We get in, in some of that. The thing that comes up over and over again is lay down your life for your spouse, especially guys. I mean, he really lays it on thick. You get to Ephesians, holy mackerel, the women get off really easy. No guy in their right mind ever quotes that stuff to women, you know? I mean, here's a preview. Uh, ladies, you should show some respect to your guys. Guys, you need to die for everybody in this family. I mean, how's that fair? <laughs> I'm just telling you, okay? So, so this, this is important to what we are about as followers uh, of, of Jesus Christ um, I, I think, um, I, I think the, the Latin community has it better. My last church, we had a large group of uh, Spanish speakers. Most of them were Mexican. And one of the phrases that they would say all the time is family first. Family first. When I first heard that, my theological brain went, well, wait, God should be first. But over time, they taught me that how you express love and how you live that God first out is family first. Amen. That, 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 that's the core. If, if you've got something that takes away from the family or damages the family or hurts the family, that is not of God. It's just not of God. And some of us got to figure that out in that process. We need to prioritize that. So here's what I believe. I believe that the creation story is a rejection of individualism. That means, doesn't mean we're not individuals, but it is a rejection of putting myself first over my family, over my church, over my friends, over all of those sorts of things in our life. So the question I usually ask at the end of a service, I'm going to ask it right now, how are you more like Jesus today than one year ago? First of the year, I always try to ask this question. And I realize that there's a problem with that. So I'm going to modify it a little bit and ask this, does your family better reflect Jesus today than one year ago? That's a good question to ask. I don't come up with a whole lot of really good stuff, but this is good stuff. Just saying here, you know. Are you more like Jesus than you were a year ago when I asked the question? Does your family better reflect 
Jesus today than one year ago. Well, that's kind of what chapter 1 is. Chapter 2 in Genesis, chapter 1 is 30,000 feet. Mankind, that's it, move on. Uh, chapter 2, we kind of get into the detail. We kind of get a little more granular. granular. So you remember that uh, God decided to form man from the dust of the ground, right? Makes a mold of, of man in the mud somewhere and breathes into him. He inspirits. In Hebrew, the word for breath and the word for spirit are the same word. And so when it says God breathed into him, God spirited into him, God put his spirit into him, uh, as a part of that. Uh, and, but then he noticed, after he had brought all the animals, he noticed that there was no companion uh, for Adam. So uh, that, here's the way it said. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Has there ever been greater truth than that, okay? I will make a helper suitable for him, okay? So a couple of things, not good for the man to be alone. This is interesting. God is critiquing his own creation. And he's basically saying, oops, I blew it there. I, I did that wrong. Man does not live well on his own. And interestingly enough, I always tell you, science is catching up with, uh, with uh, uh, the Bible. There's research on this. Guys, we don't do alone nearly as well as, as wives do. You know, if, if he goes first, she flourishes, which is a little disturbing. <laughs> if she goes first, we kick the bucket shortly thereafter, you know? So... So there's something about this, but I think it's speaking about mankind, okay, for all of us. We need to not be alone. We will make a helper suitable for him. And I just want to, um, the word helper, uh, in King James it was help meet. Uh, and, and sometimes people talk about this word like it means that somehow the woman is less than the man. You know, well, she's, she's my helper, like she's my apprentice or she's, you know, sent around to kind of help me clean up with all of that. That is like way wrong. The Hebrew word here is a word that God uses for our helper. So if anything, she's set above us, guys. So God would not say, I'm your helper because I'm, I, I don't know what to do. If you could just teach me what to do, right? That's not, that's not the way that is. The helper word here. So right from the very beginning, God has a very, very high understanding uh, of, of women uh, in, in the world today. So... Um, Let's see, uh, so the next, next part of that. The man said, uh, this is now, so he goes, he, let me back up. He, she goes, he takes the rib out of Adam. You remember that, you know? I don't know which side, but one side or the other. Takes the rib out of Adam and forms a woman. One important point in that, everything else, including man, was formed from something that was dead, the dirt. Woman was formed from something that was already living, already inspirited. And that's why the woman doesn't need to have the spirit put in her because she has come from man and separates and becomes a part of it, okay? So then God brings her to him and the man said, woohoo! Oh no, he said, this is now, well, this is a rough translation of the Hebrew. <laughs> Very rough. <laughs> this is now bone of my bones, okay, and flesh of my flesh. She's, she's come from me. She shall be called woman for she is taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. So there's a couple of things. We talked about the taken out of man, right? So they, there's a certain uh, a part of, of separating the two, okay? And then they become one flesh. So they're, they're put back together. And so what happens in the one fleshness is this idea that they become two sides of the same coin, They've always meant to be together, and, and, and he, he took them out of there, and now they're back together again. And so there's a sense in which creation is not complete until this happens, okay? 
She who came out of man, she who was not made out of the dirt, but was made out of man, comes together and they become one flesh. That's the way he talks of bone of bone and, and, and flesh of, of flesh. Uh, and, and we see that in children. They are literally half of one chromosome and half the chromosomes from the other. The two become one in the midst of it. And here's the deal. And I want to especially talk to those of you who are not married because you're thinking, well, what does this sermon have to do with me? The word one flesh is an idiom for kindred, for family, for extended family. Kindred was, wasn't your immediate family. It was your, your cousins and your uncles and even the weird uncle and all of those people that were a part of that. And so it says when we became here that it was the whole family that's involved in this sort of thing. There's this big picture of what God wants to do in and, and through families. You have kin, and if you don't have any biological kin, let me tell you, we are family. And we're your kin, amen? amen. Okay, good. Don't look at anybody, but we're your family uh, through all of this. So, um, uh, it's, okay. Uh, oneness is a big deal with God. This whole idea of the two become one, one flesh. Oneness is everywhere in the scripture. It's in the very nature of God. Three that are one. One that is three. We can't explain it, but it's, it's oneness. In, in the New Testament, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Oneness. Greatest commandment. Love God with your whole being. Love, your, love the people around you like family. Like your flesh. Remember that? That's what it's talking about, like family, your kindred, back in the part of that. The end of the Gospel of John, Jesus is about to go back to heaven. He gets one prayer for all of them, and he prays that he would make them one. One is a big deal in Scripture because, ultimately, family and family are essential to your spiritual well-being. So important that we get this. This series, this, this, this next seven weeks are just, it's so important. And you think, well, it's about families, not really talking about spiritual things. No, I am absolutely talking about spiritual things through all of this. Family and, and family are essential. Christianity is not a collection of propositional statements and rules. It's a relationship with the living God. Understand that? Uh, and uh, some of us grew up with lots of rules. Some people are really into propositional statements. I'm not against propositional statements. I gave over a decade of my life and a great deal of my treasure to understand theology, okay? I'm not against that. But at the end of the day, when you stand before your God, there's not gonna be a theological test. Did I know you? Do you know me? That's the question. Are you a part uh, of the family? It's all about right relationship. So, let me ask you, what is Jesus asking you to do with what you have heard today? That's the question I ask usually at the end of the sermon. And normally I just kind of leave it at that because I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to all of you. Today I'm going to change the rule. I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about today. <laughs> Nervous giggles. <laughs> Here we go. I challenge you to prioritize relationships this year. I challenge you to prioritize relationships First with your spouse, because everything else gets built out of that. We're going to talk about marriage uh, next week. Secondly, with your children. Okay, those are the, the primary ones. Then with your extended family. Then with your family, that is this place, okay? Or if this isn't your church home, wherever your church home is. And then with your community and all of those sorts of things. This might mean that you have to walk across the street and find a way to love the guy that plays his music late at night and too loud. <laughs> you all know who I'm talking about, okay? that person. 
I want to encourage you to get involved with, with small groups. We're starting to put those together. Kramer's working really hard. I saw kind of the initial piece of it uh, this week. Uh, to connect with your church family. A uh, Family is hard work. Family is hard work. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, you believe that, okay? And, and, and it's super important. And if our musicians could come, we're going to sing in, in just a minute. Uh, but, but here's the last thing I, I just want to leave you with because I just believe this with all of my heart. Everything good in life flows out of family. Everything good in life. I'm 63. I have a great family. I love them. I'm, I can testify to this. Everything of real value in my life is attached to my family. Everything that really satisfies my soul is attached to my family. And not just my biological, but to you and to this whole sort of thing. I've spent all of my life in the church of Jesus Christ. It has nurtured me. It has encouraged me. It has sometimes corrected me. And it, but it, is, it has nourished my life. And I, you all know this story already. But when I was sitting in a hospital bed with a cancer that was supposed to kill me, and I began to reflect back on my life, and I reflected on the relationships and what I've been privileged to do and the, the love I've shared and been a part of in my biological family, in my larger family, in my church family, I came to a place where I said, I can go home with peace. Why? Because of my family. And I knew that there's a family that'd pick it up after me, and one day he's going to call me home. There's something so powerful about living together in relationship with one another and loving each other. And we're just passing through, folks, the stage of life. You came on on one end and you're going to go off the other end at some point. But man, if you can leave behind the next generation blessed to serve God, to live life worth meaning, with meaning, and to make a difference, you'll go down to your grave with joy and with love, surrounded by family. I always used to wonder, you know, that, they say when someone's passing, they passed away surrounded by their friends and loved ones until I was there, and then I understood. We are family, amen? amen. And we are family together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for these good people. Thank you for the, the good families that are a part of this church, Father. I, I pray especially for some of the families that might be struggling, Lord for whom it, it, it's difficult. I, I pray that your spirit would just move powerfully in them, Father, that you would guard them and protect them. You said that, that, that you would be fatherless, that you would be a father to the, to the orphans and that you would be husband to the, to the widow, Father. And so we call on you to do that. We ask in Jesus' name that you would speak into each one of these. I pray, Father, that in these weeks you would strengthen our marriages. You'd strengthen our relationships with our kids and, and with our, our community and with our, our church, Father, that you would guide us into healthy families, that we might be a healthy church, Father, that we might reflect you in everything we do and say. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. Would you stand? Hey church family, thank you for watching this video. It is amazing that you consider this your church home. If you do consider this your church home, we would ask that you would share this video with a friend. If God has been speaking to you, we would hope that you would share this message. As always, like and subscribe so that you don't miss a single video and tune in each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our live stream or you can join us in person. 
We'll see you next week. God bless.